Hello and welcome back to What's Occurring and it's our final episode of wrapping up your week's news and sport. But to be honest, this week we're almost two weeks of news and sport because, well, I had a little accident. <laughs> but before we go into that, we'll, I'll, I'll introduce my co-host for this week. Who are you? I'm Joe Clark. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, Joe is going to join me this week and unfortunately again because of my little, my little accident. There will be no guests this week, but that's fine because there's so much news that we can talk about it properly and wrap up with, you know, in the, in, in the proper way rather than trying to sell everyone with celebrities because who needs celebrities? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'd better start with Leeds first. So last episode, which was a week ago on Monday, I was joking with Chloe, my co-host, about how I was going to go to Leeds first and end up in hospital and... Um, there wasn't going to be a what's occurring next week. Well, here we are, near, nearly two weeks on from that, and guess who ended up in hospital, and guess why there nearly wasn't a <laughs> what's occurring this week? You've only got yourself to blame, Tom. No, um, I am okay, I should make that clear. I'm, I'm getting much, 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 much better now. I've just, basically I've got manky feet covered in blisters. <laughs> so I can't walk, and I'm on crutches, but I'm, I'm walking better today, I'm walking better today. I've only spent a week in bed, so <laughs> it's okay. Um, how was your Leeds Fest, Joe? You were there too. Honestly, it was amazing. So just to say, I'm at um, University of Leeds with Tom as well. That's how we know each other. Yeah. Um, so we had a big crowd of us go with us to uh, to Leeds Fest. Felt, felt like half of half of the university were there. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing weekend. Loads of good music. Uh, managed to see Tom before he was whisked away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, great company, great music. Yeah, it was an amazing weekend. I have to say, I only I only lasted till Friday night, and I spent most of Friday in the disabled zone, sat down on crutches. But it was amazing, even for me. Like even in that kind of environment, where literally not a drop of alcohol touched my lips, I didn't. Get, I didn't really get to see that many people. I mean, I saw you. I saw you were one of the few people that managed to see me. You're quite quite privileged in that way. <laughs> but, um, no, it's one no. word for it. <laughs> um, no, it was. It really was like one of those moments. And next year, it's on again next year, obviously. So I think I might just get my booking in right now. I almost booked. Of course. Yesterday, but yeah, you can buy tickets now, can't you? Yeah, I've I've got two Leeds Fest to live now, so it'd be yeah. silly not to, because I've I've got to go twice as hard next year. <laughs> exactly exactly uh, no to be fair i'll wait until the lineup comes out and then make my decision on which festivals i'll be going to yeah i don't know there is that thing about leeds though like as you say we're leeds students and just almost everyone goes like yeah. you can spend all day every day with different people and you know, just enjoy life uh anyway let's not dwell too much on the leeds fest because I'll get sad, but there is one thing. I, there is one newsworthy thing I wanted to talk about here, which was the litter that got left behind. I think Reading probably got it worse in the press, but I doubt Leeds was any better. People mm. go on about, especially this week because there's been extinction rebellion protests. People are going on about um, climate change and the importance of climate change, and I think that's something we all obviously all accept. But there is this thing that, when it comes to the end of a festival. <laughs> People abandon their tents, they abandon their litter, and literally the place is a tip, and it's disgusting and horrible. Uh, 
full disclosure, I did end up leaving a lo- load of stuff there, but that kind of was out of my hands. Yeah, but, um, yeah, of course. Yeah, but um, what do you think of this? Because obviously, are, are people hypocrites to say, oh, we need to save the planet, we need to do everything we can to look after it, and then go to a festival, trash a park, and then leave it for other people to pick up? So I think an important thing to distinguish when it comes to global warming and climate change is this idea of how we've got individual responsibility, but also collective responsibility. The impact that I can have on global warming is very limited compared to the fossil fuel companies who are basically the main contributors to climate change. Um, That being said, I do feel it is obviously slightly hypocritical to say, oh, look how look at what we're doing to the planet um, and then leave behind a load of litter because one, it's not a good sentiment and two, it obviously will make a difference. Um, yeah. And I just feel like even though I personally can't make too much of a difference, we should all be doing as much as we can within our limits to make a difference. It's one of those things where like, yeah, realistically by picking up your cans or whatever it is are you going to make a difference to are you going to save the planet no but Mm. you cannot you know morally i suppose you cannot tell fossil fuel companies you cannot tell big banks who are investing in them that they're doing wrong if you're not leading by example and yeah and doing those things yourself and i understand that when you're at a festival you're tired and you just want to go home and you can't carry everything or whatever but it's not really an excuse is it the festivals make it easy to recycle everything and like i know even when i was there there was a big pile of like broken camping chairs and stuff there's a there's places where you can put this stuff so i don't think there really is an excuse for it yeah no i agree and i think some some people do take the mickey a little bit and kind of just have no regard for it i saw people like starting fires and literally burning their tents and it's just like come on yeah, it's just like, come on, like, have a little bit of respect. Not there's only no for yourselves, for but there's just no for... need. Like, yeah, what, yeah. What are you gaining from that other than, you know, you're probably going to go viral on TikTok, but yeah, it's hardly exactly. worth it, is it? Um, right, on to proper news. And obviously, again, we start with Afghanistan. On Monday, um, the last US troops left for good after 20 years. And the operation is officially over. We're not evacuating... Well, we're not evacuating anyone else directly from Kabul airport. There's the official evacuation has ended, but the government and the foreign secretary has been in Qatar, I think, this week, trying to arrange for um, Brits and Afghans who've worked for the Brits to be evacuated still, but it's looking less and less less promising. Uh, it's, it's quite a moment, isn't it, for the Western world, I suppose, or for the world as a whole, really. Yeah, I just feel like the whole situation is an absolute mess, to be honest. Um, Obviously, everyone can say, oh, it's an amazing thing, like the war's come to an end. I think the important thing to distinguish is the war has come to an end for Britain and the US. In terms of the Afghans, who are still there, the war is at its peak. Um, Yeah. And the whole point of uh, us staying in Afghanistan was to reduce the impact of the Taliban on their lives. And basically by deserting them, we've just 
increased it and basically left them with no hope. Um, yeah, I just honestly it angers me to even talk about it because I just feel like we've just done them a disservice. We, I mean, I had this little rant a couple of weeks ago because yeah, I agree. We've just literally we've left them for dead. But I mean, I don't want to go back into all of that. But yeah, it's for me. I just think seeing the last people leave. People can say the Taliban have changed, but literally this week their PR operation seems to have slipped a bit and they're holding funerals, well, mock funerals. They had a coffin with a US flag, a French flag, and a, a Union flag, a British flag, uh, draped over coffins, and they were throwing them about in the streets. Well, tell me that's, yeah. n- tell me that's, that's potentially an ally. Because there is talk of this now, is that because IS, Islamic State, the terrorist group, are kind of making a resurgence in Afghanistan and they were responsible for the bombing at Kabul airport last week which um which killed so many Afghans and US troops as well and a, and a Brit but um yeah there's talk now that we're going to have to cooperate with the Taliban in order to fight them well I think frankly that's ridiculous you can't you can't yeah. be at war against the Taliban for 20 years and then it flick a switch and allow them to take control of the country effectively because you didn't want to leave a few thousand troops left and then potentially even ally with them. I just think that's wrong on all levels. And I know people will say there's a kind of maybe a damage limitation element to this in that, oh, it's just about making sure IS don't make advances and they don't kill more people. But I just think it's it's morally unjustifiable. Yeah, no, I'd agree. And it felt like we kind of had the Taliban in our grip as well. And then we've got kind of, we've just been ignorant, naive, selfish, however, whatever negative terms you want to use to explain our actions um, and basically let them run riot. And when you say, oh, we're going to cooperate with the Taliban, like, do you know how, like, do you know how ridiculous that sounds? We're going to try and cooperate yeah. with a terrorist if someone had organization. someone said that two weeks ago, like, you, yeah, it's there ridiculous. would have been uproar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's depressing and... Mm. It's just grim, isn't it? The world is a grim place yeah. at the moment. Um, there is more positive news, so we'll, we'll, go, we'll go on to that later. But, um, yeah, the other thing, the other Afghanistan-related thing I wanted to talk about this week is Dominic Raab, who's been in front of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, which, for people who don't know, is basically a panel of MPs who um, scrutinise the Foreign Office and make sure they're doing their job properly. And what a disgrace. I mean, I, I'm going to rant again now. I try and be fair on this podcast to the government and to, well, to everyone, because I know how hard these jobs are. I speak to MPs. I've, I've interviewed people for this podcast and for other shows. And I, I know how difficult it is to make those decisions. But some of this stuff is inexcusable. Like, um, he was asked about um, his own security report on Afghanistan from, I think it was May or June, you know, a couple of months ago. And it said there was an imminent danger and that the Taliban were going were gonna to come through. People are blaming intelligence failures for, for what's happened and the reason the Taliban have been able to take over so quickly. But a lot of the intelligence was there. It just wasn't acted on. I just think, how can, how can you survive as foreign secretary if you're not going to read your briefings and act on them? Because at the, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, that is your one job. Yeah, no, I think it's ridiculous. And it sounds, honestly, it sounds like the whole thing was just an absolute mess. The I, I newspaper said that he was 
a wall of obliviousness and evasion <laughs> and that it was 90 minutes of self-interested waffling so i think that pretty much sums up not only dominic Raab but the majority of the conservative government at the moment to be honest I, agree. I don't mean to be one of those young people who just slags off the tories but honestly that some of their decision making over the last months and couple of years has just been this atrocious. is the thing i find this fascinating is that i speak to well i spoke to ian dale for this podcast i don't know if you know him but he's quite a prominent conservative commentator he is not a soft lefty and even he says this cabinet's incompetent they don't know what they're doing they're, you, they're hopeless and I, I, I mean I agree it's not about it's not an ideological thing is it it's not saying because they're a conservative they're bad they can't even implement their own values like yeah it's true uh, oh, apparently there's a reshuffle coming at kind of November time Christmas time after the after the COP26 summit so we shall see if Dominic Raab Pretty Patel Gavin Williamson you know and all, all those types Get reshuffled out. Fingers crossed, I see. But um, yeah, exactly. Positive news now, and the Paralympics, where we are, um, frankly, kicking ass. Uh, we are second in the medal table to China, uh, with thirty-seven gold medals. And the games end on Sunday. Very solid performance, don't you think? A hundred percent. And I think I saw as well that um, Dame Sarah Story broke the record for the most. Um, Paralympic was it gold or or medals? Yeah, she's um, the most successful Paralymp Paralympian. Paralympian. Yeah, had. yeah, which is obviously amazing as well. Um, but yeah, it sounds like the Brits have have put on a show. Uh, obviously, it's difficult to compete with China when they, they, it always seems like they're at the top of the medal table for both the Paralympics and Olympics. But to be second, considering a lot of the countries that will be just below us have a much larger population than us as well. Um, yeah, it's really impressive. It really is. And China, like you say, it's, um, in the Olympics, you can't really compete with the US or China. And here you can't really compete with China. But that's because they have so many athletes. If you, Someone was saying, if you look at the population of our country and compared to the population of theirs, but also look at how many athletes we send compared to the mm. population of those, we punch well above our weight. And like you say, James Sarah's story, 17 gold medals. She's competed in swimming and cycling uh, across different games. I mean, she's, it's not just one sport. It's, I can't, that's what amazes me about some of these Paralympians. It's not just that they have these disabilities which they overcome, which in itself is an amazing feat, obviously. But to compete at that level, 17 gold medals in swimming and in cycling, and she's 43 yeah. and still going. She says she wants to go to Paris in three, three years' time. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Just Did it's you hear about the um, the Chinese swimmer as well who won three golds despite having no arms? He's a swimmer. No. He's go crazy. On. That is. He's got, no arms. He's got. I mean, what's more to be said? He's got no arms and he's won three gold medals in swimming. I just think the Paralympics inspire me. It's like so wholesome, and I know that it's. Just, I don't mean that in a patronising way, like oh look at these disabled. Oh no, but no, no, but it is, isn't it? It's like yeah. they've they've obviously been. Some of them have been through kind of traumatic events, and they've, or they're they're just held back by different barriers to most of us, yeah. and to overcome that and still put on a show as they do at the Paralympics and 
go out and prove themselves and other people wrong yeah it's amazing yeah. it's so true i mean i've been on crutches for a week and frankly i barely <laughs> left my bedroom so yeah to be <laughs> if i was living with what are frankly much 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 more severe disabilities and you know for a lifetime and going out and doing what they do it's just and even if they don't win some of them are just so like they're so proud of themselves and I, I just love that like the swimmers yeah. ellie robinson and ellie simmons neither of them won gold i don't think that, that may be mm. wrong, but i'm 90 percent sure neither of them won gold but they still so proud of their achievements i mean i know it must have been at the start of this week ellie robinson the swimmer said she was inspired by ellie simmons in london 2012 went on to become an olympian she came fifth this this time round, and she said no this isn't a failure i've had such bad injuries this year and i was i'm lucky to be here at all and to come fifth is amazing i just think what an, yeah. what an attitude to life we could all take a leaf out of their book a hundred percent and did you hear about the um the afghan long jumper who got evacuated last week and he competed at the paralympics yeah this week i saw it's that crazy honestly it's just yes yeah, so what an inspiration as well the commitment of these people to day in day out just train yeah. and train and yeah like imagine coming from kabul to yeah tokyo in, in a week like just mm. crazy 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 um another kind of weather climate changey story which we've had quite a lot of to be honest um we've had a lot of these over the over the series so it kind of feels kind of banal to be wrapping up with one but, but it kind of it proves the point that climate change is very serious and that there's more extreme weather but anyway i digress um <laughs> storm ida in the u.s has um seen flash flooding in new york and new jersey have you seen the videos of it it's really like i have scary how quick things are just it really going is it's, it's just another example of um climate change and the impact that it's having on the world and it's it's just scary isn't it it is a bit frightening um and you hear people say like oh well it's never going to have an impact on my life but i can guarantee you that some of the people in new york who have been affected by it in the last week were thinking that a, cu a couple of weeks ago as well yeah um and people say oh well there's nothing we can do about it now but there 100% is. We yeah. can certainly slow the progress of global warming um, and stop its incline, even if we just delay its incline and 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 slow its progress rather than halt it completely. Um, you got to give yourself... But yeah, hopefully... Time. Yeah, exactly. And ho hopefully uh, protest organisations like Extinction Rebellion can, can actually force through some governmental change as well. Yeah. I wasn't going to go there today, but, but seeing as you mentioned it, what do you think of Extinction Rebellion? Because I am always really torn by them because, personally, I agree with their message in terms of we need radical action on climate change now. But yeah. I think that, you know, the whole, like, smashing windows of banks and stuff, I really don't think it gets them anywhere just because people of our age group, of our generation, may agree with that and think, yeah, okay, fair enough, that that's a way to get attention and i do agree with that but they're not going to win over hearts and minds of older people who at the end of the day 
at the moment at least for, you know for the next 10 maybe 20 years are going to be the ones in government are going to be the ones in charge of the ngos who are yeah who are going to be able to actually make the difference and if you go around smashing things up you're only going to annoy those people am i am i wrong no i agree with you and i think it's partly to do with this idea that what really needs to happen is we need to educate people and if people see uh extinction rebellion as um this group who are sort of wrongins in a way and that then they see them smashing up banks then it's just going to make them think oh you know what they're just like snowflakes they're not doing anything they're just trying to like halt our progress and stop us from living our lives whereas if they went out and started like handing out leaflets to people and educating them on on what what they can do about climate change why it needs to change now how these extreme weather events are linked to it i think that would be much more effective in actually getting people to take action than simply being violent and aggressive yeah uh, i think if you look at i think the green party is a good example to be honest and whether you agree with their politics or not on the issue of climate change specifically i think they set a good example in saying we have an emergency we have to deal with it and we have to deal with it now but they put that forward in a proper you know a more formal maybe a you know a sensible way that can win people over whether you agree with their other policies or not is a different question but yeah it's going back to these floods and in new york and new jersey uh biden has said that historic investment is needed that's a quote which i think is a good sign because i don't think anyone's been prepared to say that yet have they and you know if well you must have seen it. there was that was it about a month ago there was that extreme rain in london one weekend and it was tube yeah. stations just water pouring into them just if that happened to your house if that happened to my house if that happened in this country people's views would change very quickly i have a feeling it happened to my house it we did. had to get like, yeah i had to the whole of my um like patio in my back garden was flooded me and my brother and my dad had to literally get buckets and start like getting it out and chucking it oh over the garden God. to stop it from getting in um and then we had to get someone out it turns out it was just a problem with our draining it all drained away in 30 seconds but for about four hours me my dad and my brother were running up and down the garden to stop the house from flooding and it was just another reminder of it, there it, you can, are. it can affect anyone point proven exactly so yeah people climate change deniers you've heard it here first it can happen in this country and it happened to joe so exactly yeah be scared <laughs> And we're back, and Joe's charged his AirPods now. Very unprof- indeed. Very unprofessional, Joseph, coming on here oh, with uncharged okay. AirPods. <laughs> Stick to the wire. Be traditional like me. These were seven quid off of Amazon, just in case anyone seven thinks. Of, if if anyone doesn't think we're professional, I'm definitely not sat in a spare room with a pair of seven quid <laughs> headphones and a laptop. But yeah, you know, this is what's the current way. We like to rough it. <laughs> um. Right, back to proper news. Well, I, I say proper news. This isn't proper news. Geronimo the alpaca has died. I cannot believe right, so we're discussing. I, I saw I saw this on the briefing and I was like, Tom, what is... I thought this was a serious podcast. It is. 
there is a serious point to, to well frankly i'm here so i can rant about it but um, <laughs> there is a serious point um so the story is that this alpaca called geronimo tested positive for tb two years ago three years ago or was it four it might even have been four years ago several years ago and so basically if it tests positive it needs to be shot so that it doesn't give it to any other animals or cattle and things like that but its owner and i i'm trying to be polite here is a bit of a wet wipe and wouldn't let the alpaca die despite the fact it needed to die for its own benefit and for the benefit of every other animal in this country and so she started this campaign. She's been all over the telly and there's been a live webcam so you can see Geronimo. But eventually um, the government and the Department for Agriculture had enough, sent in the police and they've killed this alpaca. Well, I say, finally, it is about, <laughs> it's about time. And I'm not, I, I, need to cl- I need to clarify myself here before I get cancelled. This might be the last ever at what's occurring if we're not careful. But um, the reason I say this is not because I hate alpacas and it is not because I hate this woman or Geronimo or anything like that. It is simply because I know the consequences. And uh, basically, my, um, well, my grandparents and now my cousins and my are farmers and they farm cattle. cattle. Of course they are. I live in Cornwall. Everyone's a farmer. (laughs) But anyway, they farm cattle and Basically, they get plagued by TB all the time, you know, every few years. And they, if one, if a cow test positive, it has to be shot. And it quite often will spread through the herd and they'll all have to be shot. And it's a nightmare. And it's a load of paperwork, first of all, but also you lose all your income because that cow that you're going to make money on is dead. And I just think it's ridiculous. Like, they have to comply to that rule, and that's obviously right. But why does one woman with her pet alpaca think she's above the law when literally it's costing farmers you know thousands of pounds a year it's it just oh it, it irritates me if you couldn't tell <laughs> boils your blood yeah what do you think no i agree obviously it's never nice to have to say oh um well you're gonna have to kill one of your animals but ultimately it would put her other alpacas at risk Yep. And it would put everyone else's alpacas at risk. And sometimes it's like the lesser of two evils, isn't it? Mm. Literally. It's... Yeah, I think it's commonsensical. I, I just think she's obviously a bit too attached to Geronimo and she needs to think about the wider picture. Well, she's not anymore. <laughs> yeah, she, no, maybe she <laughs> no, is. It is true. I feel I feel bad for the woman because you're right. If, if it's your pet, it, it is hard, isn't it? It's horrible. It's like, you know, if people, people have dogs put down and stuff like that, it's just not, there's no good part about it. But, the rules are rules, and I just think you've got to get over it. And there's a, there is a wider point here I wanted to make as well. Um, have you seen the stuff about Penn Farthing, the ex-Marine, who basically ran an animal sanctuary of cats and dogs in Afghanistan and paid for a private plane to take those cats and dogs and him to um, to Britain when the evacuations were going on. But the problem was that they wouldn't um that that plane by landing even though it was a private plane is taking up the space for another plane so that they couldn't evacuate humans and there's been arguments about whether the dogs were sat in the human part and whether they could have taken humans as well but the point is that at the end of the day that plane landed rescue 
rescued, I think it was 150 cats and dogs and took up a space that could have been used to evacuate refugees, effectively. And yeah. I just think, are we getting to a point it's where a bit we selfish, care? selfish, isn't it? It is. We're caring too much about animals, I think, in this country. And I don't mean that in a horrible way. But it's just a fact. Like, Geronimo the alpaca, who cares? It's one alpaca. <laughs> like, there's, there's, you know, kids with cancer. There's so many horrible, horrible things happening to people in this world. Yet we're obsessing yeah. over one alpaca with TB and 150 cats and dogs. Is, am I wrong? Is the world going mad? No, I understand. It's a bit, I mean... It's never nice to have to treat pets in that way, is it? But ultimately, the cats and dogs, like, sometimes you do have to prioritise human life. And when there's a war going on and you're trying to get people out there as soon as possible, when there's little children who are going to die if they don't escape the grip of the Taliban, then I think it would be hard to make a case for evacuating cats and dogs over them. Yeah, literally, I mean kind of goes back to what we were saying about climate change and if it was your house you'd make these big changes immediately it's you know if that was your kid if you were stuck in Kabul waiting to get on a plane and you were in the last 150 people and they put on a load of cats and dogs in front of you I mean just well it doesn't bear thinking about does it um this is a this bit of a gear change did you see that horrendous video of michael glove going in the club i haven't seen the video thank oh God. good I've, I've seen i've seen photos of it it's, i mean it's horrible what's he doing i mean i'm not being funny how did he not there's a midlife I mean, crisis and then there's a midlife crisis yeah he I mean, basically I'm not being funny how did he survive <laughs> well he hasn't has he he's paid the price now he's all over social media no michael gave on saturday night i think it was was, and why was he in Aberdeen as well? He's on holiday. So he's just got divorced from his wife. Still need and... to, I still want to know why he was in Aberdeen on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, we have Scottish <laughs> listeners. We have to be nice to everyone. We have, we have uh, lots of international listeners as well. No, I'm sure Aberdeen's nice. a lovely place. Well, I'm going <laughs> to remain neutral on Aberdeen, having visited. Um, I won't be visiting again, but... Um, no. Right, enough said. <laughs> enough said. Um, no, Michael gave recently divorced his, or he's divorcing his wife. And yeah, he's on holiday in Aberdeen. And about, I think it was 1 or 2 a.m., he rocks up at this club in a suit on his own. Doesn't pay the entry fee because he's, he's like, I don't want to pay the fiver to get in because I'm the Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster. And he's there going around saying, Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Trying to get in for free. But anyway, he gets yeah. into the club and he's there dancing on his own. And then he starts posing for selfies. And I'm so pleased you haven't watched that video because, I mean, I've heard people say things things about dancing before, but, oh, my God. It's, it's, it's excruciating. That's the word. Just to watch it. It's, you never unsee it. It's like, you know, when the Matt Hancock video came out of him, like, groping yeah. that, that woman in his office. It's, well, not quite as bad as that, but it's... It's you, it's unforgettable. It's, oh my god! Just you can hear it in my voice. Just yeah. But the poor man. I feel sorry for him really because how bad must your life be to be at the top of government and end up going clubbing in Aberdeen on your own? Yeah, that is that is very 
poor from him. I mean, what did he expect? <laughs> like, he must have been quite drunk. Yeah. I, I mean, we're speculating here. There's no evidence for this, but you wouldn't do that to yourself unless he'd been out all evening. Mm. And you, some of the decisions that politicians in this country are making at the moment, you wouldn't put it past them. That is true. That is true. Uh, football now and the transfer window. Ooh. I had a bit of a shock. It was when we were at Leeds Fest, actually. I'm, yeah, I'm sat down in my little disabled area and I'm on my phone and it comes up Ronaldo signed for United. It's like, where does that, where's that come from? Mm. Yeah. It's a big, big transfer, big transfer to say the least. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I did, um, I spoke to Guy Mowbray and Steve Crossman and uh, a few others about the Premier League and what's going to happen. Ronaldo's name didn't get mentioned once. Just that came out of nowhere because it was kind of at the start of the week, wasn't it? That there were talks about him maybe signing for Manchester City. Then by the end of the week, he signed for Man United. Yeah, I just I think he spoke to Sir Alex Ferguson the night before he signed, and he basically convinced him to go there. So yeah. I never yeah, knew I that. Still, oh, go on. I was going to say I still feel like it doesn't give Man United enough to win the league um, because. I'm, I'm sorry. I actually, I'm actually a good person to speak to about this, Tom, because I'm actually head of sport for LSR next year. Here we are. So you've come to the right place. I'm surprised um, it took you that long. To but, uh, <laughs> just a little plug. <laughs> um, but I feel like Man United still don't have good enough strength in central midfield. Um, but he'll he'll be amazing for them. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of. It's a good signing for both sides because it kind of makes Man United a big club again. They're, t- they're a talking point. There's always going to be that bit more unpredictability. And for Ronaldo, it's good because he clearly liked the club. I didn't realise. Like, obviously, I knew he played for Man United, and he's, you know, I wouldn't. But he was never like a club legend, was he? It was like, oh, Ronaldo is here. Then he moved on. But now I feel like he's kind of cementing himself, and he's really going to bring the team together as a as a leader in a way that maybe they haven't had a leader they haven't had a leader for a while in that will bring everyone together be that a manager or a captain yeah exactly and i feel like it's just been an amazing transfer window generally to be honest i mean it's been so Ronaldo, exciting yeah you've had grealish uh oh. there's just that's just off the top of my head the kane I mean, those two, those, yeah kane going to whether you'd go to city or not um honestly it's yeah obviously west ham as well they've been spending oh here we go <laughs> the west ham fan west ham are around. i'm sorry i'm sorry hey we we, can... we're in we're in europe now we're in europe we're in europe we can Second talk about europe. west ham later but i don't want to reveal why um <laughs> but we'll come to that but okay. no it has been a, it has been a good it has been a good time to be a football fan i think just what what a transfer window. And I think the Premier League is going to be much more exciting for it. Yeah, no, 100%. Okay, so Joe's back from answering his door now. Of course. Very, professional. very professional. That's twice now, Joe. Three strikes in your arm. Oh, okay. Going to get told <laughs> off. <laughs> um, the other football news this week is England, who played Hungary last night in their World Cup qualifier. Solid performance, of course, but um, marred by racism. Yeah, well, 
it's kind of really sad situation, but it's what you've come to expect with kind of Hungarian football. They've been accused of it before. Um, just feel like the England England team's response was immaculate, to be honest. One four nil. Drank a couple of pints on the pitch. Yeah. Have to get in cups thrown at them. Uh, apparently Jude Bellingham, he's only eighteen, I think now, seventeen or eighteen. Apparently he was racially abused. He just basically ignored it and then reported it afterwards. So obviously a very mature response from him as well. So yeah, the perfect yeah. perfect night for uh, an England term. Obviously. Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I mean is not the perfect night. You never want to get raged. No, but they dealt with it. Their, res- their, their, their yeah. response to it was perfect. Yeah, I, I mean, I can agree more. Solid football, exactly what we'd come to expect. And yeah, as again, what you'd come to expect with this team, their role models. And in the face of what was quite aggressive, nasty racism, it wasn't like, I mean, obviously no racism is good, but literally having stuff hurled at them, mm. you know, there's a solid united response so um credit to them and yeah they've got is it andorra this week coming up yeah. i think and then poland the beginning of next week they're going to blitz them aren't they we they should yeah so hopefully yeah, really we'll should. see well we will see england in the world cup but um hopefully we'll see them top of the group as well so well done england uh now the most exciting news of the week for me has to be musical. And in what has been a bad week for me personally, this has brightened my life up because not only have we had two new ABBA songs, Elton John is releasing a new album, but no, Oh, I knew you were going to, I knew you were going to be like this. You know, I said we could talk about West Ham. This is why, because ABBA are building a stadium. They are a, a whole stadium for themselves, right next to right next door to West Ham. Really, I never knew that. No, it got announced last night. So Abba, we'll start with Abba, then we'll go on to Elton John. So Abba are coming back, kind of. So they've recorded and released two new songs last night, which I have to say, if you're an Abba fan, very good, would recommend. Um, but they're also in November. They're bringing out an album just before Christmas, of. 10 songs for the first time in 40 years 40 four zero, which i couldn't believe and then next year they are going kind of on tour and i say kind of because it's all very weird what they're doing is they've got this they're building this stadium arena thing by in the olympic park which is where west ham are based but um they're building this yeah they're building this stadium and there they are going to have holograms of themselves perform so they're going to do the same gig every night but it's not them in person they've done some kind of motion capture thing if you go online you see this picture of them you know like when you have special effects in film and they're in like those black suits with little balls on them yeah that kind of thing they've done that and now they've got holograms of them who are going to perform with a live band and I've said, I'm really not sure what I think of it. Doesn't sound great to me. Your your face is looking a bit confused. And, and I, yeah, it's one of those, like, it's good to see the technology, but I just don't, if I'm it's not the money, same, I want it? to see people in the flesh. I want to see them before. <laughs> I want to see a hologram. It's true. It is true. It seems like a I, cop out to me. It seems like a way of making a lot of money. By I mean, it's doing bad enough paying money to go and, 
listen to other music, let alone Joseph, see the bands. You're on your final strike here. Be careful. But no, it is true. Would I travel to London? First of all, to go near that scrubby West Ham stadium. But second of all, oh, to, yeah. to go and watch holograms. I don't think I would. But new music, so we can't complain. Mm. Um, the other thing, yeah, Elton John. Bringing, he's come back with an album. And th- this in itself isn't news. But what is news is the, who he's doing it with. And basically it's a load of collaborations. And some of them are out already. He's got one with Dua Lipa out already, which is quite good. But I'm going to read you the list because it is it is interesting, to say the least. So he's done collaborations with Young Thug, Nicki Minaj, Stop Laughing, Charlie Poof, Grillers, Years and Years, um, Little Nas, Nas X, which is the one that really threw me out, Stevie Wonder, Stevie Nicks, and... Glenn Campbell. I mean, you can say what you like. Sounds like he's sounds like he's trying a bit too hard to fit in to me. You've got variety there. Mm. Lil Nas X. I can't. I can't say anything about Elton John because I've got to say when you walk into Tom's bedroom, his whole wall is covered in posters of Elton John. Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) You've never been in my bedroom for a start. This isn't my bedroom and there's not a picture of Ellen John anywhere. So, right, come on. Let's not... Let, right, I'm not a creep. <laughs> Just be, <laughs> you're horrible. He's basically got a shrine to Elton. Is this because I slated West Ham? Mm, I'm just... I'm just letting An irrelevant team. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm just saying, I'm looking forward to hearing the Elton John Lil Nas X collaboration. Yeah, no, it will be interesting. Interesting, to say the least, I think. Um, that brings us to the end of this show, though. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. No, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it is the final What's Caring, because I've got to take some time out and recover myself. So we're going to be a few a few weeks at least, but I will be back, and I will be back with more What's Caring. And so do not worry. Keep keep subscribed, and then obviously we'll come back in your feed. when So when Series 2 is around... Um, we'll be there but um before we go i want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's been involved because there's been a lot of people involved in this so all my co-hosts who've been on throughout the weeks have been amazing then on top of that all the guests so we had so many guests and um yeah i just it's it's really um it's just it's such a it's such a big project this to with more bigger than you'd think to get everyone sorted and in place so i just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's been involved and yeah we'll be back soon so joe thank you and everyone else i will see you soon